Hey guys, just wanted to drop some knowledge on y'all. A new uh, front of the podcast, Dewan O'Neill, has dropped his first novelization, Dear Dominic, A Roadmap to His Son, on Amazon. Grab your copy today. What's going on, everybody? It is your boy Trav from Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks. That is right. I am not Mr. Benjamin Banks. I am Trav. I'm here with Rebellious D. That is right. It's the duo today, baby. That's right. Hey, and we about to knock them out like two heroes. We're here. Our our man on vacation, right? A well-deserved vacation. Yep. Hey, well-deserved. Well-deserved vacation. We're holding the busy week, getting the recordings in. NacoCon 23 videos Mm -hmm. will be up on the channel soon. You know, so stay tuned. That's right. Hey, what, what was the NacoCon experience like? You know what? What was some of the coolest stuff you saw? I, I know you had on a hell of a cosplay. Your son had on a hell of a cosplay. The poses hey, he got, were legit. Look, I was just trying to spread some Russian love for the mm-hmm. uh, Major Grom and the Plague Doctor. <laughs> you know, I got I got some people took pictures of me. I felt mm-hmm. great. It was my first time actually creating a cosplay. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little nerve wracking, little nerves. But um, once I got in there, people appreciated you just like everybody else. Um, you know, my boy went as Terry Bogard. He got to take some shots with uh, a guy cosplaying as uh, Dan mm-hmm. and, Re- and Ryu. Mm-hmm. So they got he got to do some face-offs. It was enjoyable, man. A lot of fun. Yeah, that's that's so cool for him. Yes, sir. Yeah, man. Yeah. Just getting him out there, getting the exposure, you know. Never know. And, and we making them, them dad-son memories, man. And that's mm-hmm. what I love to hear. Yes, sir. Hey, when they so. make them good grades, you got to reward them. Hey, you know, that's a trick. uh, Hey, my kids came home. They had straight A's on the report card mm. this quarter. So, hey, we starting off Damn. the new year right. Shout out, shout out to the kids for for doing for doing the dad thing, baby. That's right. Get it done. Hey, that's Get it right. Done. And uh, hey, we got it done today. We brought on the, right. the legendary writer producer. He has written on my wife and kids. Everybody hates Chris. Uh, the Boondocks right. for a decade. He was also on Marvel's Runaway, American Gods. He uh, worked on Wu Tang uh, on Hulu. Um, he was right. also hey, he was also involved in the new wrestling show on Showtime Heels with that's your right. boy Green Arrow, mm-hmm. Stephen Amell. Hey, that's right. And you know he's also uh, the creator of Philadelphia, an amazing comic series. If you haven't checked it out, hey, I'm talking right. about Mr. Rodney Barnes. If you don't know who that is, you better get to know him. But of course, as you know, before we get into this episode, we're gonna do it and we're gonna let him know. Here's Mr. a word from, from our sponsors. sponsors. Right, that's right. Do you love decorating your home with your personality and showing people who you are as soon as they enter the room? But maybe it's just so difficult to find what you were looking for. Maybe some Pokemon card coasters, or maybe even some Totoro miniature vases. Hell, maybe even a Star Wars Rebel logo canvas for your wall. Well, luckily for you, us over here at Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks have teamed up with Nerdy Crafts by Tiny T to give you what you've been looking for. Nerdy Crafts by Tiny T has opened up her Etsy shop where you can decorate your home and yourself with your favorite nerdum, from anime to Disney animations or even mythical creatures. If you are looking for it, Tiny T from Nerdy Crafts has got it. You can find Nerdy Crafts by Tiny T by searching Nerdy Crafts by Tiny T on Facebook and Etsy or by clicking the links provided to you on the Level Up with Benjamin Banks podcast page. Also, make sure you use the code LEVELINGUP at checkout to save yourself 10% off your purchase. That's code LEVELINGUP at checkout to save yourself 10% off 
Decorate your home with Nerdy Crafts by Tiny T today. Yeah, I don't even know how to introduce you, man. It's just so, all right. so all crazy. Right. Um, <laughs> I'll take any of the adjectives. They all work. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, us, man, we're 90s kids, and 90s is kind of where you, like, really broke in to the business. And there's just so many classics for us that you've been a part of. And, you know, when I'm, I'm like, wow, this guy is part of, this guy made my childhood, you know, in some way, shape or form, you know what I mean? So thank you Pretty so nice much, resume. man. It was, yeah, it's a blessing to have you on here, man. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, you know, usually I don't ask this question, but we always start these off with banks coming in and asking <laughs> the guests to kind of give their origin story. Um, what, what was little Rodney like, you know, growing up in Maryland and, you know, how did you have these aspiring dreams to be a screenwriter, a comic book writer, and just become who you are today? Uh, big fan of comic books my entire life. Um, never really saw moving from Maryland to Hollywood. That sort of kind of happened through fate, but, mm -hmm. um, had a teacher in eighth grade told me that if I ever concentrated as much on being a writer as I did on being a class clown, <laughs> I could be a pretty decent writer. Right. So um, I shifted my focus slowly but surely. And I guess uh, 15, 20 years later, here we are. What were you reading growing up, you know, comic wise? Uh, as a little kid, I was a huge Neil Adams fan. So mm -hmm. anything that uh, Green Lantern, Batman was primarily what he was famous for right. and then later um more dc legion of superheroes swamp thing that type of thing and then it sort of evolved to following writers and artists i was a big frank miller fan with daredevil and mm. dark knight returns and then alan moore with swamp thing and miracle man and et cetera et cetera et cetera yeah and uh, you know, D will tell you, I've always been a DC. I'm still a DC nut, you know, um, mm -hmm. the, the new Swamp thing is going on right now. And yeah, I've been yeah, Ram V. Yeah, I've been really into that. So yeah, that's just awesome to hear. Yeah. Now, Mr. Rodney, I got to ask before we get away from this, do you have a favorite hero or who is it? Swamp thing. Uh, I'd say Swamp thing is probably my favorite character. Um, had the longest legacy, I guess, threw up for my life. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Interesting. Thing. And you enjoy that show? Like uh, yeah, I mean, it was so short-lived that right, it was yeah. hard to really get into it as deeply yeah. as I would have liked to. But what I saw, I thought was really good. It was it was nice coming from, you know, the older 80 Swamp yeah. Thing movies and then seeing this portrayal of it and seeing what it could have been. And unfortunately, yeah. like you said, it was short-lived. Yeah. So originally, I just want to let people know I had reached out to your, um, you know, secretary, Carlos, who has been so good to us about getting you on here. Just coming on here, really talking about Philadelphia, which is, you know, your comic through image. Yeah. And I'm kind of glad that it got pushed back out of October. And now we can really expand on your whole entire career versus the horror stuff, because I know you're such a fan of horror as well. Mm hmm. Yeah, big, big fan. Um, yeah, um, so you mean the Philadelphia issue 18 or the book in general? Yeah, so bring us through all that because you have, um, I read somewhere you were, there's a pilot maybe going on for a show. Yeah, yeah um, well, Philadelphia's been going on. We just finished the third arc, uh, Jason, Sean Alexander, and our team 
uh, this past month, I guess, issue 18 dropped. Um, we do have, I just finished the Philadelphia pilot and show Bible. And we have an actor attached to play James Sangster and um, going through directors right now, filling out the rest of the cast. And um, it's moving along slowly, but surely. Right. Is that exciting or more stressful is, than anything? But because I do television so much, it's like right. it's you know it's it's more connected to. Uh, I think it'll be exciting once we have a network and we're going. But this part is you know more nerve wracking than anything else. Trying to get things set up. I do want to backtrack a little bit when you talk about through certain blessings. You know, you came from Maryland, went out to L.A. Did you have scripture or pastor? Like, how'd you even get on as far as being a PA to some of these sets? And because sometimes people like me are so, how do you even get to that level? You know what I mean? I was um, working at Georgetown University Law Center as a campus cop in 1991 wow. or two. I forget mm. now. But um, the movie The Pelican Brief uh, came to mm -hmm. uh, my job to shoot. Right. And it was at the same time I was at Howard University. I would work. Uh, it was my night gig, but I signed up for all the overtime details and um, got to know a guy by the name of Gary Fiorelli, who was a key set production assistant on the Pelican Brief. And I told him, I asked him basically what you asked me. How do I get a job doing what you do? Right. And so he hired me to do the big days. Um, they would have days with lots of extras where they needed extra production assistance. And so... I ended up quitting my job at Georgetown and working with him on a bunch of movies in the D.C., Maryland area, Major League Two, uh, Forrest Gump, uh, Quiz Show, a um, bunch of movies. And um, that was sort of how I got into once you're in the system, you sort of figure out the rest of it and can go from movie to movie if you're fortunate enough. Uh, that's just wild to me. I mean, especially, you know. Kind of getting your feet on the Pelican Brief, which, you know, or anybody who hasn't seen an incredible movie with Denzel Washington and Julia Roberts. Um, yeah, that's just uh, how, when you started meeting these people, is this just kind of I don't I don't know if you necessarily meant Denzel, but does that kind of starstruck you a little bit? Not really. I mean, it's, I guess uh, I always appreciated his work and Julia Roberts' work. But when you're mm -hmm. working with people, mm -hmm. it's like going to work. It's like right. for a moment you recognize them and you, you know, recognize their body of work. But once you get in it, you're sort of working. So uh, whatever, um, you know, whatever stars struck this, this that comes along with it sort of fades as yep. you're going about doing your job every day. Right. Mm -hmm. Did you have any like uh, playwrights that you kind of looked up to? I was a huge August Wilson fan as a kid. And in television, I loved Tom Fontana, uh, his work on Homicide, Life on the Street, and basically everybody who was uh, associated with that show. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, Richard Matheson for The Night Stalker and the guys that did um, The X-Files. I mean, I always had mm -hmm. writers that I would follow. I always followed credits in television shows and the things that I really, really gravitated to, I would follow names, you know? Yeah. And so it's kind of the same thing for me, you know, being, being a, I'm a mix engineer in the music industry and it's kind of the same where it's like when you really get involved, like when you're a nerd for that stuff, those credits, you know, you're just skimming through and picking up names and really just appreciating 
what they're bringing to the table versus your average listener or in your case watcher where those they mean those names aren't really known you know what i mean yeah yeah well you know if you if you if they work long enough and you pay attention <laughs> certain names tend to flow through it's almost like reading um the liner notes on a record album back in the mm, day or right. cds or tapes mm. it's like you you find people who um kind of do your thing and you become fans of them right i want to backtrack i, I gotta go back uh trav my man has done his research you know you are a fan of horror was there any uh any particular uh horror movies that you you favored growing up yeah, I mean, uh, I'm mostly the same as what we're talking about with um, mm-hmm. writers. I was like a George Romero fan or okay. Wes Craven fan. Classic, and, classic. Yeah, those guys. I think yeah. um, David Cronenberg, um, mm-hmm. you know, just anybody who was a name at the time, John Carpenter, huge John yep. Carpenter fan. Yeah. I would just, you know, I was a movie buff, movie geek anyway, so mm-hmm. I would just sort of rummaged through and those were like the superheroes of horror films at that time. Oh yeah, for so I sure. Just followed those people. I'm a big Stephen King fan too. So my um, plate was full when it came with horror. Oh yeah. You grew up in a in a great time to be a kid and love yes. horror. Yes. You know, even if you were if it scared you half to death, you were still in a good time for it. So yes it was. <laughs> yes it was. Now um uh you've done writing for Marvel's The Runaway. I'm more of a Marvel guy. Um did you generally enjoy that just because you are like a, a comic book guy? Um, Runaways was cool because it was a taste of the Marvel universe, even though it was outside of the Marvel universe. But it's yes. great working with Jeff Loeb and all the other cool Marvel folks. And um, mm-hmm. that was how I got my first comic book assignment, because mm-hmm. I made it known once I started on the TV shows that I'd love to do a book. And um, they gave me Falcon which was my first uh, comic book gig ever. Wow. And um, But that came from the TV show. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. That, that had to be exciting. Uh, it was scary because I didn't know what I was doing. But, <laughs> right. Um, you know, you had to either get in. It's like swimming. You just either jump yeah. in and figure it out or you wait. So yeah. <laughs> I just jumped in. Now, was that something, you know, Getting on with the Mar- with the Marvel Runaways, you know, being the Hulu project, was that something you already had a relationship with somebody over at Hulu, or did no. you put feelers out there that I'm interested in working with comic, you know, neither. entertainment? Uh, neither. My agents um, said they were looking for uh, the show was looking for someone who did what I did. They read a mm-hmm. sample of my uh, one of television screenplays I'd done for something else mm-hmm. and uh, liked it. Brought me in for an interview, and things worked out. You don't hear about that a whole lot. You know, we know agents as far as actors and, uh, you know, sports guys and stuff like that. But you really don't hear about agents as far as behind the scenes people. So you you guys are all having agents, too, you know, just being writers or producers or anything like that. I got a bunch of agents and a manager. So, yeah, yeah. representatives. Now, uh, Mr. Rodney, I want to roll over to another question, a little not really. I guess it's still on the subject, but I'm just curious. Do you have any, uh, I don't want to say rituals, but any um, procedures that you you take on when you have writer's block? Is there anything that you do to kind of get yourself back in the groove or remind myself, 
reminding myself that I have bills um, helps. <laughs> I just, um, I don't think I've ever had writer's block per se. Okay. Um, I just get up in the morning every day and write. Yeah. Um, some days it's pretty good stuff. Yeah. Some days it doesn't flow as much. I'm distracted by something, but typically, you know, one of the reasons why I write so many comic books a month is to keep the exercise of writing going mm-hmm. if I'm not right. writing a movie or a TV show. Smart, smart. And you hear about that a lot more now where a lot of comic writers are coming into the entertainment field. And it was kind of reversed for you. You started over there and then writing mm-hmm. for comics. But I've noticed that now in this day and age where there's a lot of back and forth between comic book writers and screenwriters where they're kind of doing a little bit of both. That's what I hear. Um, I know a few, not too many, but I know a few. Right. Now, Mr. Rodney, I've seen that you've done work on Wu-Tang, an American saga. <laughs> I want to take this in a musical direction. Are you well, a music guy? If so, you know, what, what are your go-tos? Do you have any classic people that you like to listen to from time to time? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I listen to music, um, a lot of different folks, a lot of different types of music, mm-hmm. uh, jazz, some mm-hmm. hip-hop, um, some R&B, some rock. It's like a little bit of everything. I like um, it. Sometimes when I'm writing, I'll listen to um, movie soundtracks. I'll put them mm. on Blade Runner or yes. The Exorcist mm. or something and just uh, let that play while I'm doing what I do. So, yeah, I like love that. music. music. Yes, sir. Okay, I had to ask. Yeah, I man. see. Yeah, I see, I see the cowboy shirt. I'm gonna That's save that him. for later, though. <laughs> so, all right. I, I he already it asked there. me. He already asked me about I it. And, it off uh, there. It's just a shirt that fits. Uh, hey, no I like loyalties. It. I know they lost today, but uh, no loyalties. <laughs> hey, I hear you. I hear you, sir. It's just so cool because you know, again, we're '90s kids, and Wu Tang was such a big mm-hmm. thing for '90s hip hop. And this show is really, really good um, on Hulu. Do you have a certain member that you really enjoy writing for on the show? Uh, I'll say RZA because uh-huh. he gave me a um, a blurb for Philadelphia, and I sat next to him for a year. And, That's uh, really so cool. I'm going to say wow. RZA. All right. That's fair. I like that. Do, are any of them kind of on the set? You know, I know RZA... You RZA know, was he, always there. Right, because, um, you know, he's real involved in entertainment anyways. Yeah, RZA was always there um, as one of the executive producers of the show. He would come and go. But um, mm-hmm. for the most part, didn't see a lot of the others unless they were coming in to give us an interview. We wanted information right. on a particular mm-hmm. character or something. How, yeah, well, so that leads me to kind of doing the old Dirty Bastard stuff is how do you go about that? You know, are you interviewing members that grew up with them? Are you watching old tapes of old Dirty? How do you write for somebody that you can't physically talk to and get inside their head? Well, the RZA's there, and RZA was there with them throughout the mm-hmm. process. So anything we need, no better mm-hmm. source than RZA. Right. So a show that, you know, kind of is coming back, I guess, you know, being reinvented, you know, new season or whatever, Boondocks. Um, is that something you're a part of as no. it makes its return? No. Okay. So how does that go about you being such a focal point of the the first part of it and them continuing without you? How does that feel as a right? It doesn't bother me. It's like any other TV show. I mean, it's a lot of shows like Wu-Tang. I'm not a part of season two. Right. I worked on season one. Um, 
American Gods did a season three. I yeah. was only a part of season two. I mean, it comes with the territory, you know, it's sort of like um, family and you go off to do the other things, but you still support the other members of your family. It's not mm-hmm. like, um, you know, unless it ends poorly, it's okay. It comes yeah. with territory. Now, with that, is it is it that clean and that cut and dry when it comes to moving on? I mean, I, I there's plenty of times where you see multiple writers on a show and mm-hmm. then it, it changes hands. Is it just is it that easy? You know, you yeah. just move on to the next one because yeah. it's your job to just write. And sometimes yeah. I know they may take it in a different direction. That you yeah, know. I mean, like the Boondocks hasn't been on the air for almost a decade. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. For sure. You know, that's a long time to wait that from is. one series to another. <laughs> so I'd be homeless if I was waiting for it to come back. So, right. yeah, it's nothing. I mean, it's like being on a basketball team. If you're Kevin Durant, you play for Golden State, you play for Brooklyn, you're still in the league. But, yep. you know, you just play for different teams. You're still it's sort of a brotherhood of sorts. Um, mm-hmm. I wish him well. I hope the show is great. And I, like I enjoyed it. I was there for a decade. So yeah. that was um you know, pretty good time. Make sure that you go to Golden Ink Tattoo located at 3109 Airline Boulevard in Portsmouth, Virginia. Give them a call at 757-465-1010 to book an appointment with Denise, Kitty, Jay, or Kane. And I'm not talking about the big red machine either. You can go there, you mention leveling up banks, and you get 10% off of your tattoo. So if you're looking for a tattoo, get your tattoo at Golden Ink Tattoo. Yeah. Okay, here, here. I'm gonna go straight off the top. Um, do you have a particular or a favorite genre to write for? No, it's just according to whether or not it's a quality show. Okay, um, I've enjoyed comedies. I've enjoyed dramas, genre. Mm-hmm. As long as it's a good show with good people, I typically, you know, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, then, what about when you say you're coming on to a show? Right? Like, like we just talked about earlier with um, American Gods. American, American Gods. There it goes. Now, a lot of people were upset when it got canceled, you know, abruptly or whatever. So, but for that show, you know, they already done a full season before you come on. When you see that happening, and you're like, you can dig your teeth into that show. It, does that kind of change things, you know, if the show is really, really good to you before you're even on and then you come and you have all these ideas going on or? No, I mean, they're all every season of a show is different. Um, I think for any fan of that show, season one is different than season two. I, they even mm-hmm. look different, they have different characters sometimes. Um, you know, it, it's all it's all different. Every season is different of a show. So not really. I guess that's what kind of makes television so much different than movies where movies has that A to Z, I guess you can say, story mm-hmm. being told, whereas television, it's episodic it's day to day, I guess you can say. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Right. And you've done both. You know, you've done actual cable network television, you know, uh, My Wife and Kids, Everybody Hates Chris, and... I, I'm under the impression that's even drastically different than the HBO shows, the Showtime shows, something like that, where you're set for X amount of episodes. Uh, all of them are set for a certain amount of episodes. I think the only difference is, you know, the things that you can say and do on network TV, on cable television shows, you can't do on network TV. But uh, all of them, we know how many episodes we're doing when we go into a season, whether it's network or cable. 
So what's the rarity of something getting canceled abruptly? There is no real uh, pattern that I'm aware of. It's like mm. um, usually shows get canceled if the numbers aren't very good, if yeah. the ratings aren't very good. So that happens every season with television shows. Right. So there's some shows that go on for six, seven seasons and some that don't make it one or two. You mm-hmm. know, it's, um, yep. it's according to the show. Now, uh, Mr. Rodney, when it comes to you said it just depends on if it's a quality, you know, the the quality of the show that you're being asked to write for. Now, does that go with like along with the environment? Like um, you said that you're not necessarily the starstruck thing isn't really there um, a lot of times. Are there any other like fellow writers that you really like you said that you took from other people? But are there any others that um, you drew inspiration? What I mean, are there any that you like? like to work with on a show? I mean, I have a lot of friends that are writers. And, yeah. Uh, there are a lot of people that I work with that I enjoy working with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, when when it comes to writing for a show, is it is it kind of like you guys throw ideas around or like uh, we'll say Boondocks? Is it like this is your episode, then someone's else? Or are y'all all like collaborating on one, one idea? How does that work? It's different on every show. Uh, okay. Boondocks, it was, you know just a couple of people um mm-hmm. everybody hates chris we would have 10 or 11 writers it was mm-hmm. all according to which show they were okay. all they're all different does that make it harder when you have that many people in a room no no no, no. dude i love it but <laughs> it's just I, I i love the energy of nothing bothers you you know what i mean it could be you writing solo or you writing 12 people it's like the same yeah, it's all storytelling. I mean, Modern whether you're time. writing with a group or you're writing by yourself, it's all just telling stories. I mean, I've been doing it for a long time. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's probably if you'd asked me 15, 20 years ago, I may have had a different point of view. But today, right. you know, yeah, it's, just, it's all like just writing stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So back to my question. So does that mean you guys are all kind of like putting throwing thoughts around and uh, ideas for one particular goal? Or is it, I handle this episode, then the next one gets handed off, then the next one is back to you, then the next one's someone else. How exactly does that process work? Uh, again, it's different for every show. If you okay. only have a couple of writers, sometimes you'll write them together. On other shows, you may be assigned an episode. Okay. Or you may come up with an idea. It's according to what show it is. They're all different. Right. Understood, understood. Interesting. Very interesting. Now, Try. something... Something I want to, you know, jump ship over to is uh, your Oscar involvement and Mm -hmm. I guess just putting on the Oscars. I know you've done it for a number of years, right? Twice. Twice. Okay. So 2020 and 2021? Uh, uh, Last year. Yeah. I did it last year. Okay. What, how, now, how was that structure go when you're writing a show like that? I know some of these guys, even they'll write for like, um, a Democratic Party national convention, or ha- how does that even? How do you write a show that isn't a uh, fictional show? You know what I mean? Like, how do you put that together? No, I don't know. Uh, you mean how do you write a award show? Right. Yeah. Like, how, what does that even mean? What does that entail? I guess. Um, you just basically, if you have a host, you're writing mm-hmm. for that host. Um, writing lines. Whatever, yeah, whatever jokes or copy that they want. And you know when your commercials are coming. And Mm -hmm. if you have um, uh, presenters, you would write the copy for the presenters. Um, 
and you know who they are ahead of time and they sort of give you what their boundaries are and you write to that. Now, a follow-up question on Trav's question, Ms. Ronnie. Now, you say that you know when your commercials are coming for like an award show or, you know. Now, is there is one is one harder to write for than the other? I mean, you have no. been doing this. Yeah, you're I mean, you're seasoned. So. Yeah, no, it's all just I mean, it's all just like um, it's like asking someone if, if building a tip, uh, a type of house, if you're a construction worker is different than building another type of house. Mm-hmm. As long as you have the floor plans and you know the type of house that you want to build, it's just yep. the process of building a house. There no, none of it is really that much different um, mm. than the other. There's no level of difficulty. Um, yeah. Understood. All sort of the same. So then let's tackle, you know, I know you got a couple book projects coming on one uh a a book that uh the you know I'm I'm a New England fan so I've always been a fan of the Bennett brothers in general and I know you're working on his book Michael Bennett's book um things that make white people uncomfortable which if anybody hasn't read yet it is a phenomenal book do you, how, how does that are you working with Michael Bennett on yeah. that like well I next mean, to we, him or does he kind of give you guys those rights and you run stuff by him uh, no, we um, we're working with John Wells, the producer, and mm-hmm. uh, his team. And um, you know, I came up with a take for what I thought the show could be, and everybody signed off on it. And I have to write a pilot over the course of the next couple of weeks. But uh, I talk to Michael all the time. So, was this something that you presented to Michael about m- turning it from a book into a show? No, Michael. Michael took okay. it to John Wells and. He wanted to make it into a television show, and they decided, and then they hired me to take it on and develop it. Now, do you have some guys that, producers that, uh, when they get something, they go, I exclusively kind of work with Rodney, or I really enjoy working with Rodney. I want to bring him on for this project. Uh, I mean, that's not how I'm... Most of the things that I get, I really get through my agents or word of mouth, uh, right. whether it's actors or directors or different people who like what I do or have worked with me in the past and want to tackle something with me. Um, just comes with having worked with folks over time. Now, is there anything that you can kind of tell us about some of the other stuff that's coming up, like Blackula or... Yeah, you know, I, the, I don't know what you can and can't say about. I don't know how far along some of this stuff is, or yeah, I'm developing Blackula as a graphic novel, and um, Jason Sean Alexander's illustrating it, and uh, we're going to do it as one soft cover, complete graphic novel. So mm-hmm. we're doing it in chapters, which would be the same length as a floppy. Okay, and um, Jason's already illustrated chapter one, and I've written chapter two, and. Uh, it's a five chapter book. So just, you know, as soon as he's finished or he tells me he's close to being finished, I throw another chapter at him and just kind of keep it going in rotation. Now, is there a difference for stuff like this where it seems like it's more of a passion project than it is of a job, quote unquote? No, I care about all. I'm passionate about all my jobs, too. It's just um, it's all just writing. I mean, I don't really it's like um you know, I approach it all in the same way because mm-hmm. I care about every project, but there's no separation. I care about Philadelphia as much as I care about Blackula, as much as I care about some of the Star Wars stuff. It's all, mm-hmm. you know, it's all the work, but I care about it all. 
Right. Sounds like he uh, he kind of looks at this kind of like a freelancer, you know? You know, you're only as good as the last picture you took and things like that, and you want to keep that that mentality, you know? I need to make good work. So yeah, uh, yeah you're of, only as good as your last gig, so yeah. That's right. Yes, sir. Well, then, you know, since that's kind of the mindset of, I, you know, I put my all into everything, is there certain things that you've enjoyed more than others maybe uh just the chemistry was a, a little bit more flowing between everybody then because you hear about some people on certain tv shows or whatever it just it worked out better on that show than this show and because there was just the right people in place do you have stuff like that where it's like man i really enjoyed that particular time in my career uh, i think jason and i doing philadelphia is probably uh, something that I enjoy as far as books are concerned. Um, not so much with television, but mm-hmm. certainly with books, I'd say Philadelphia. Now, um, Rodney, I want to I wanna go back to early in your career. Were there any particular writers that really, you know, you would go to them with like, kind of like um, a Padawan and their master? Did you have anybody like that in your corner? Someone you just kind of, if you had a question about something, you you went to them specifically first before, you know? Not really. I mean, um, mm-hmm. when you work in writers' rooms, you're working with your team right there. So, mm. you know, anything you needed was mostly right in front of you. So it wasn't so much of a. Um, it was already an intimate setting anyway. Got so it. Understood. Most of it, yeah. I understood. So that leads me to ask, and maybe for you know fellow screenwriters that are coming up trying to get you know, noticed, have you ever had work stolen from you from showing it off? And how do you go about making sure when you present something that somebody doesn't say, yeah, we don't like it, but in reality, they kind of take what you did and rewrite it and pass it off as their own? No, no, that's never happened. It's not, not yet. Not yet. Hasn't happened. Damn good. Well, it's good, good to know. Yeah. Yep. I ain't got nothing <laughs> else to say about that. Good. I have a couple questions that I like to ask towards the end of it, but I'm going to go ahead and get into that now. First, Mr. Rodney, growing up, did you have a favorite 80s or 90s movie or both? Um, 80s or 90s movie. I love um, this question, Trav. Love mm-hmm. it. I guess I'd say The Empire Strikes Back for, Damn. Uh, I guess that was 1980. Classic. Uh, okay. Movie. Um, pretty close. Yeah, somewhere around there. Okay. Um, I'd say Empire. Okay. And then uh, my second question is: uh, Growing up, did you have a favorite horror movie or TV show that really uh, kind of shook you and stayed with you over time? The Exorcist. I'd say. Damn right. Had shook a, a lot of people. Profound effect on me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. Now, nicely, nicely. Do you, you know? There's been so much Oscar controversy over. The, the last, you know, most notably 2016, where you know, people were boycotting and stuff like that. Do you think that it's starting to finally evolve where it's getting more diverse in their selection of uh, nom- nominees? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's always had some... Um, I think you're talking about specific categories like best picture and probably the top mm-hmm. five categories. Yeah. Yeah. Every year is different because you have, it's according to, you know, what movies um, are out. I think it's hard really right now with COVID and mm-hmm. people not really going to the movies in the same way to evaluate it as you would, were we not in a pandemic. 
Mm-hmm. But um, I'm optimistic things are getting better. All right. How do you think they evaluate that stuff then? If if box office numbers are dipping, are they going to have to change the way? I don't want to say necessarily they go off of box office numbers, but I would assume that it plays some sort of a factor in selections. Um, do you think they'll kind of have to change how they look at a success for a movie than actual physical dollars? No, I think it'll always matter. If if it's according to what you're talking about, if you're talking about um, awards, um, that's one thing. Awards are typically um, chosen by a committee. And if you're talking about success for a box office, um, I think people are slowly but surely starting to creep back into the movie theater. So probably in a year or two, things will be what they were. Mm-hmm. And I, I can tell you, I've personally have been to the movies i mean this month alone i've already seen four movies in theaters um you know just because i'm just such a experience kind of i want to experience a movie not just watch a movie and it you know it's cool that hbo max offers these same day releases Mm -hmm. but some stuff you have to experience you know dune was like that for me Mm. um and then i'm a support guy right so you know a movie like king richard coming out i I I want to support that movie. I could watch it for free on HBO Max, quote unquote, but I'd rather go to the movie theaters and show my support by showing up. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Now, Mr. Rod- oh yeah, I'm, I'm here, man. Uh, Mr. Rodney, next, I wanted to ask you with COVID, did how much did that affect you with you know doing writing, or is it is it something you can do from home and just send in? Yeah, I wrote at home during COVID and we Zoomed. Um, okay. Yeah, we Zoomed. And it actually seems like, you know, once I was mm-hmm. saying the question, it seemed like a much, like a, a very comfortable, uh, you know, career mm-hmm. to have, you know, dealing staying at home. It's just like staying at home and reading a book, you know? Yeah, so. I primarily um, write from home anyway. So okay. it wasn't okay. much of a change. Yep. So do you feel like more writing got done? Or for me, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't okay. know, but I can't speak for the rest. But yeah. Right. Yeah. So how would that translate as far as production being halted? So now are you sitting on material that you're kind of like, I've got this lined up for the next amount of you? Like you kind of jumped ahead of the game and set yourself up. No, uh, our television show was going throughout COVID. So mm. uh, once we finished writing, we just went right into production and just tested every day. So um, no, everything still, nothing stopped moving. Nice. Okay. Well, you know, I don't want to keep you insanely long because, you know, we're coming up on an hour and, uh, you know, your time time is money. And I really appreciate you, <laughs> you know, dealing yeah. dealing with us and the technical difficulties all and all the stuff that all people good. at home didn't get to see. But yeah. again, I kind of said it off the air. Maybe I said it on air. But again, you've just been a part of so many Movies, stuff we didn't even get to talk about, you know, stuff you did on Major Pain and, you know, your early yeah. career stuff <laughs> before you really started writing and getting involved in the who you are now. But just being a comic guy and super in the movies and television and media and you kind of doing it all, uh, this is so, so awesome just to kind of have you on the show and pick your brain a little uh, bit. I appreciate you guys having me. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you.
So if you want to go ahead and kind of let everybody know what it is you have coming out soon or, you know, your socials or anything like that. Um, the, I guess the next thing is the Lakers show I'm doing for HBO, which will come out in March of next year. And um, I guess comic book wise, um, there's Nita Haas Nightmare Blog number two uh, coming out next month. Um James Bond, number two, Army of Darkness, number three, both of them coming out next month. Um, about it for now. You can find me at, at the Rodney Barnes on Twitter and on um, Instagram. Rodney, oh, man, really appreciate you. You're very welcome. Yes, sir. Thank Thanks you for having on. me. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. So, D, we done did it again. Your boys. Yes, we have. Here we go. Uh, we we didn't have uh, podcast number one hero, but that's okay because oh, number two here and we three are. were here. That's right. We got Hawks and Endeavor tonight. That's right. And, you know, we, again, we had on the legendary uh, Mr. Rodney Barnes. Yep. I uh, got Shout to cover to a little Barnes. bit, you know, of his career. And it's crazy because we really couldn't dive into his whole career you know we would have been here so long but yeah even the things we touched on and the things that he's got coming up and it's like dude, this man stay, yeah this man stays busy. oh yeah i'm looking at those comics man everything that he's got coming especially you know we're comic people here and you're a novel person so i mean it's exciting work you know and it's just um we're blessed to have him on man i don't know how else to say it you know and i can and speak I can speak on Philadelphia being an excellent written, you know, comic, which is originally why I wanted him on the pod. So we could specifically just talk Philadelphia and, you mm-hmm. know, schedules didn't line up. So we ended up moving it out of our Halloween month and we got to explore this other stuff. But I'm telling you, if y'all have not checked out Philadelphia, please do, because it's an incredible it's it's a top horror comic and you really don't get a whole lot of really really good horror comics that's right that's right and so uh hey we're yeah. gonna call that a day don't call that that's an right. episode uh d where they gonna find my man at and you can find me as always at rebellious double underscore d23 instagram.com hey and try hey bank saying in the house we mm-hmm. got it done try where can they find you at sir and that's right and they know where to find your boy on the instagram at zk audio also on the twitter at t-r-a-v-i-o-s-c-k where i'm also on letterbox where i am ranking and reviewing the rest of my 2021 movies i'm trying to cram it all in there before the end of the new year and as always you can find us on facebook instagram twitter uh youtube um, we're on it all at Leveling Up Banks. You can check out the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Caster, wherever you listen to your podcast. We are there every single Tuesday with a brand new episode on Friday on the YouTube. D, out of lasting off. Yeah, we up out of A, like Jesse and James say. Team Rockets blasting off again. Hey, that's right. Lil Einstein style. Hey. <laughs> We out of here. Peace.